The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. This is News Talk. You're very welcome along to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, from Nina to Narnia, we look at the must-have wardrobes from freestanding to built-in. From billboards to photo shoots, we look at interesting ways you could shave thousands off your mortgage payments using your home. Woodworm, what are the telltale signs you may have a problem in your furniture and more importantly, how to get rid of it? And we look at what this year's Olympians are sleeping on in Tokyo. You may be surprised. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. And remember, you can listen back, listen live to the show and our podcasts on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, even with all of the fabulous weather at the moment, I must say I'm really looking forward to getting back inside a restaurant again and the return of indoor dining, which we are told is on Monday. Now, some restaurants I've been to have been really brilliant at reimagining their outdoor spaces uh, over the last while and others then just simply plunked their furniture in a car park. Uh, but the weather can't last forever. We're going to see some changes. So I have my digital cert. I'm really looking forward to getting out there again. I'm Supporting local uh, because that's really important to do. So in my own hometown, that is Circa in in uh, Ternure. It's Marils in Rathfarnham. It's Michaels in Mount Marion. And I still prefer the inside, I must say, for all of those places. But if I was going to your hometown where you live, what is the one restaurant that you would advise me to go to that you're looking forward to getting back to? Is it fish and chips? Is it a lovely Italian, a five star Michelin or just somewhere to have a full Irish? Uh, let me know. Text us on 53106. I'm dying to hear your suggestions and you can get in touch with us also on email at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And you're very welcome along this morning. It isn't just the citizens of Narnia who are obsessed with wardrobes. We all are. Um, I was speaking to Andrea Gilligan, my Lunchtime Live colleague here on News Talk, and she has uh, just bought a new house and she is finding the wardrobes a nightmare because it's an old house and trying to find things that will fit into the space she has is giving her a headache. Um, now, so I'm interested because people go for very often in brand new house, of course, they get the shiny built-in slide roby option. Uh, but when it's freestanding, or you're trying to fit an awkward space, it can be really, really difficult. Well, there was only one person I could call on to talk through the options out there, Home of the Year winner and friend of the home show, Jennifer Sheehan. Welcome back, Jennifer. Nice to be back, Sinead. Now, um, I had a look at your Instagram and it prompted me to kind of think about the wardrobes because you have kind of seriously awkward spaces. <laughs> Very awkward spaces. I mean, no, there's nothing yeah. straightforward about your no. home. <laughs> uh, and certainly going out and just getting a kind of a double-sided mahogany old piece was never going to work. Out of the question. So you did this Instagram post about how you managed to get bespoke mm. wardrobes without actually spending the dis- yeah. dis- bespoke money. There are Desperately expensive wardrobes. So expensive. Why are they so expensive? It's it's to yeah. me a, a wooden box with handles on it. Of course, it's far more than that. It's more than that. I, I mean, it depends on where you're going, what you're getting. Anything that you get that's flat packed, that's standard size, 
you're fine. You know, you can get them pretty much anywhere. Obviously, IKEA has has a huge range. Um, but if you're into any type of awkward spaces, you're into a you know a fairly serious level, I guess, of woodworking and joinery and making sure that it's exactly the right fit and there's no gaps and it looks really flush. So you know, there is a bit of money and time involved in that. Mm. Um, now, tell me what how you went about it because I know that you would have the equivalent of what people have under the eaves. So yeah. that kind of sharply sloping roof, yes. and you're left with this kind of odd shaped triangle or yeah. not even I have this funny triangle so buying if you were to go now to a carpenter and have those made you'd be into the the thousands, thousands nearly would you thousands I did not get a quote cheaper than about four and a half grand to get wardrobes made for that space which is crazy so what did you do? So wardrobes were one of the last things I was buying and I was running out of money and a few That's thousand quid was just not on the cards for me. So what I ended up doing after much going around and getting quotes and trying to figure out how am I going to do this, what I ended up doing was I found the Alpha system from the organised store out in Dundrum. So this is a system of rails that you can basically install in any space at all. So what you need is all the DIY involved starts and ends with this one horizontal rail that goes onto your wall. You screw it into the studs um, and that is, you know, that's it. That's as, that's as much as you have to do uh, in terms of, of getting the drill out and making sure that you have things installed the right way. So one long vertical rail on your wall and everything else in the system then just clips directly onto that rail. Okay, like what? Like, like so. Uh, because you're going to hang your clothes <laughs> yeah, from yeah. that. But you'll also want the kind of shelf s- space. Yes. Yeah. So they have everything. It's actually, it's too much. The range that they have is unreal. And I kind of want it all. There's jewellery organisers. There's little things that pull out so you can steam your clothes if you're hanging them up. Um, but obviously all the basics. Shelves, shoe racks, uh, a rail for hanging up your clothes. So do you measure everything. your space and go and tell them what you want? Yes. Oh, I see. Or just bring them your plans. They're brilliant. Okay. They have a really good planning system out there. So once you've decided what space you have and what kind of clothes you have, you install this one horizontal rail and then you can clip on a series of vertical rails I onto see. that. I get it. Okay. So they have holes drilled all the way down them at, you know, centimetre intervals or whatever it is. And onto those clip brackets, shelves... Clothes rails. That sounds a bit IKEA-ish, and I know yes. that they do a kind of a similar they thing have as one. well. Where where you go out to these rails, I mean that's just the place you go, and you'd end up with fourteen wardrobes coming. Yeah. Home but <laughs> but also there's great utility to be made from baskets and uh, pull out drawers yeah. and all that kind of thing. They're kind of wire baskets, metal mesh type baskets. It's a certain look, so you're not getting that finished, you know, wooden interior look. But what about the doors then over it? Yeah, so that's that's where I got lucky because my builder who is brilliant. Jemmy Construction uh, he built the doors for me so I have two sets of wardrobes I have one in my bedroom which is that weird triangle shape and they are just you know oddly shaped triangular doors they're just on it straight on a forward MDF he okay. just put in a wooden bracket around it put them on a hinge and that's so it so it seems to me then Jennifer all you're missing then is the carcass of the inside it's just of the, the carcass surely yeah. you, and, and how much that all cost you do you think I think so in total this is two sets of wardrobes right so one in my bedroom which is that triangle and then one I have out in my landing which is the back of the roof of that is sloping downwards okay. and those are beautiful mirrored sliding doors those doors in total cost me 440 euro because 
you get the you get these made to measure sliding doors, and again, you just build a little frame. Well, one builds a little frame. So I did personally. Lot, that's a <laughs> lot does. cheaper than going yeah. and getting a you know bespoke wardrobes where the whole casing has yeah. to come in. Okay, so four forty for the doors and the interiors. All the entire carcass interiors for the two wardrobes cost me somewhere in the region of five hundred quid. Okay, that's a fantastic idea. Now, this won't be for me, but if somebody <laughs> was good at DIY and did know what they were doing about, is there a way that you can kind of be really budget friendly about something like wardrobes? Dust off the drill today. It's not that hard. Yes, there are. You can buy standard flat pack wardrobes like the ones you would get in Ikea. Um, and then you can you can make them to fit that awkward space yourself if you have the ability and if you have the tools to do it. So um, there's a really, really, really good website. There's lots of good websites, but a great one out there called ikeahackers.net. Go away. Really useful. Brilliant. So they've done amazing things with standard Ikea uh, furniture, showing you how to, to alter it, to fit it, to make it work in your space. There's a couple of things to look out for, though. One is obviously have the skills and the tools available. And the second is all of this furniture has been made within EU safety standards. And if you're going messing with it, that's ruled out. So just make sure that you're confident that what you're altering is is going to be suitable for purpose. Um, but one thing that you can do with that is, so say if you're on a budget now um, and you just need to get the wardrobes in and you have the tools and you're willing to put the, the effort in, go for your IKEA stuff. In a few years time, when you've saved up a bit more money, there's brilliant companies out there. I love superfront.com who make amazing fronts, doors, beautiful handles, legs, all sorts of accessories for standard IKEA designs. Really? So you can upgrade as you go. industry around IKEA is extraordinary. Exactly. All right. If money is no object Mm. and you're not interested in the DIY, (laughs) (laughs) give me an option for uh, posh wardrobes. I don't know how posh would make them super posh, but give us an idea. It's the design. I mean, you're buying beautiful quality design and amazing joinery. So a lot of the really high end kitchen places will do wardrobes. Sometimes it's hard to know where to go. So your Porter and Jones, your Mark Lohan, your Jonathan Williams. Never heard of them. You see, now they wouldn't be in my league at all. Stunningly designed. Beautiful woodwork, amazing fitted furniture, and that is tip top, pricey, pricey. Okay, and then if you're in a kind of a space, maybe an older house where you want something freestanding, not Mm. built in, yeah, and and you have that space for maybe an alcove or something like that. I mean, it can be a great idea just to go out and get kind of something old and antique. Gorgeous things out there. So if you know what you're looking for and you're willing to put in a bit of time, bit of effort. Average.ie, done deal, or any of the really fabulous salvage yards around the country will have it. And things to look out for, for example, G Plan, Macintosh, those beautiful teak mid century wardrobes. They can be in amazing condition. You can get something for a few hundred euro if you know what you're looking for and you get lucky. Fantastic. What do you need to worry about if you are buying something old? Because it seems to me there's a little bit of creak and give in the wood sure. and locks that don't lock and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So have your can of WD forty, you know, be prepared maybe to sand and revarnish if you need to. And then keep an eye out for things like woodworm, for example. If you see little holes in the wood, you just need to be careful. You do not want to bring that into your house. Well as so, it happens, I'm glad you brought that up. We have 
have a woodworm expert on in huh? a few minutes. <laughs> we'll be hearing <laughs> all about like that. I, I really, I'm not looking forward to that item. But anyway. I don't want to ever have to deal with it, but it's good to know. Yeah. Talk to me then about, like, whatever about the wardrobe, right? And putting the wardrobe together and having your wardrobe. What kind of gets to me is deciding what I'm going to wear Filling into it. the wardrobe. Oh. <laughs> you yeah. have an app for that. There's an app for that. There's an app for everything. So does, I hope everybody listening remembers or at least is aware of Clueless 25 years ago I think was oh, Clueless yes. yeah. um, and Cher's wardrobe uh, in Clueless obviously very very covetable she goes up to it she enters what she wants to wear into a computer and it suggests a match for her and all oh, her accessories and everything it? and this beautiful mechanical wardrobe spins around and her outfit is ready for her to go and that is all I want in my life Argus of your bedroom yeah. yeah exactly the Argus of your bedroom um, so there's a bunch of apps out there now that do something similar I've road tested a few of them and the best one I've come across I'm really really impressed with this one is save your wardrobe so there is one big job you have to do at the start and that is take a photograph of all your clothes your accessories etc etc so it puts it automatically against a white background so it you know it detects what's clothes and what's carpet if you're taking it against your, your floor or whatever um, and then it automatically categorizes all of your clothes so it says this is a blue t-shirt it says this is a knit iron jumper it says this is a blazer these are capri pants these are shorts um, and it detects the color and so when it comes time for you to pick your outfit, it says, well, have you thought about wearing this top with these shorts? Oh, try it with God, this blazer, it's like try having it with a, this belt. Your own valet. Your own valet to dress yourself. Well, now, would that work when I'm doing breakfast, a news talk breakfast, and it's 4.20 in the morning? <laughs> That's yes. exactly That's the kind want. of time that I will want that I'd love for you to on. ask the app specifically. I am doing news talk <laughs> breakfast at 4.20 in the morning. What do you suggest? <laughs> which, I, which I will be doing in a couple. So I have to say the be- the one okay. thing I found about this app above the others that I was really impressed with is their actual effort to be sustainable. So what they've done in that regard is they have linked you within the app to repair services, to secondhand clothes stores, to maybe vintage redesigners who can kind of take your, your old handbag or your old belt and, and do it up and bring it back to its love former it, glory. Love it, love it. So. All right. Jennifer Sheehan, Home of the Year winner, uh, thank you so much for talking all things wardrobes with us today on The Home Show. You're very welcome. Now, would you like help with paying your mortgage? Well, from billboards to spare rooms to photo shoots, my next guest will give you some suggestions on how to help you clear your mortgage sooner rather than later, or at least make a little bit of money in the meantime. Irish Times journalist Fiona Redden. Good morning. Welcome to the Home Show, Fiona. Good morning, Sinead. Lovely, Lovely to, to see be you in here. studio. Look, everybody's finding property expensive, uh, you know, and their mortgage payments and all that. And anything we can do to try and cut that back a bit and use our home for more than just to live in is always going to be welcome. And I read an article that you wrote uh, last week about the idea of renting out your wall, like your gable wall, because you do see certainly in cities end walls of shops mm. and, and that's used for ads and billboards. That's it, yeah. How, can you do that and how, how straightforward is that? I mean, I guess, first of all, it depends where you live, doesn't it? You have to be, as you say, a gable wall. You have to have a prominent wall that's on a road that gets lots of traffic. But I mean, if, if you are in that position, you can, you possibly might have bought a property. You might be looking for a property. I mean, we have one there. There was one in Dundrum on the market, three bed, four nine five with a gable wall. It already has an advertising hoarding on it, and that brings in about six thousand a year. So it's not insignificant. Wow. 
considering you're just, you know, it, I mean, some people mightn't like the look of it, I suppose. But I mean, for six thousand a year, you'd get you could get yourself. over it, wouldn't you? And of course, this would have no impact on you in the house. So it's None only at people driving None at all. by. It's only people driving by who would see it. Yeah. And would they be like the big advertisers like JC Decoe or, or? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you'd sign a contract with them and, and they would take care of it. So, I mean, from your perspective, it's very much hands off. Right. Um, well, well, that would go a good way now towards making an impact. Yeah, on but I mean, the income would differ. We took a look at another one that's on South Circular Road. I suppose maybe it's less on a prominent street than the one in Dundrum and that would bring in about 2000 a year. Now, of course, the more traditional ways of making money out of your home is, of course, to rent out a room. Now, remind people about revenues tax mm, position on yeah. this. I mean, Sinead, this is it really is terrific because it's as far as I know, it's pretty much the only tax free income you can make in Ireland at the moment. It's 14,000 a year, which works out as about 1150 a month if you rent a room, two rooms in your house. And that's all tax free. So it's not like, I mean, you might probably remember a few years ago, we had the Airbnb incident when mm. people thought they could qualify for this tax free. But Airbnb income is taxable, whereas this isn't. But there are, um, you have to follow certain guidelines. I mean, it has to be in your house primarily is, is the key thing. It can be attached to, so it can be a garage that's converted, but it has to be attached. The exciting stuff, the glitzy stuff, never mind the billboard. What about a film crew coming in to film a blockbuster in Hollywood using your home? Yeah, well, I mean, we saw that recently in Enniscary, wasn't it, with the Disenchanted? I mean, I don't know how much people got for that, but they seemed to take over some properties. and They did. I was up there last weekend, actually, and they had now, they've taken down the set now, uh, but they had all of the shop fronts where just had these kind of cardboard um, signage put up with Bibbidi-Bobbidi and the Magic Tree and all that kind of stuff. And it was absolutely gorgeous. I brought my six-year-old niece. She oh, lovely. loved it. <laughs> it looked like a little fairy village. Yeah, it would be great to see so Comes, what do you think? So so shopkeepers presumably would have got paid a few bob. Yeah. I mean, that. people say you can earn up to about a thousand a day from a film what? set. Now, obviously, it depends, again, on your own home, doesn't it? But I think people might think sometimes that it's, it's the glamorous homes that are used. But sometimes they just want an ordinary everyday home as well. Yeah, because they might be doing like an ad for Nor Soup or exactly. Spaghetti. Yeah. It, it, it not, it's not necessarily the... the, the the mansions always that okay. are used for these but I mean you'd want to tread carefully I suppose if you're, if you're looking to do this because if you're inviting a film crew into your home you can imagine it's not just one or two people no no and, and also you have to vacate it probably you have to vacate it and people would recommend you take a look at the contract to make sure you're covered for damages lots and lots of interesting ideas there and a really good article from Fiona Redden from the Irish Times thank you for joining us on the home show thank you Sinead If you've ever seen small holes in wooden furniture or floorboards, well, you may have a big problem on your hands. Woodworm! To explain more, I'm joined by furniture designer and uh, maker from Sam August Nessa, friend of the home show, Nessa Doran O'Reilly. Good morning. You're very well belonged to the programme, Nessa. Thanks so much, Maeve. Delighted to be here. Now, let's start off with the basics. What are woodworm? So, they're not actually a worm at all. It's the larvae of the common furniture beetle. So... It, it sounds much worse than it is, although it they can does. Be, <laughs> they're incredibly detrimental if you don't catch it in time. But what it is, is a small beetle. And you've probably seen them around. They're small brown and the female lays her eggs just under the surface of a piece of timber furniture or floorboards into wood. And then as the eggs hatch, the larvae, they eat all their surroundings until they're ready to leave. And then it, that's, that's 
telltale sign if you've got woodworm when you see their little flight holes. Right, but of it course. it can actually take up to five years for them to make their way out. So What? I know. God. By the time you see the holes, the damage is... Un- Unfortunately, it's done. There's an analogy here for people in lockdown who ate everything around <laughs> them and then emerged blinking into the sunlight <laughs> 15 months later, preferably with no larvae left behind. Right, OK, so that's that's a big problem then because if they're going to eat through your wood, that, that would yeah. make it kind of damage it. And I know people... Yes, and like do like kind of knotted wood and lived in wood and the patina of wood, but but this can actually cause it uh, damage. How do you know if you have a woodworm problem? What are the telltale signs? Okay, so, well, the most obvious are the flight holes, and in fact, that's really the only way you know you've got woodworm unless you see sometimes the beetles. You can um, you'll see them on your windowsills uh, at the end of the day where they're trying to escape. They love moisture. They love damp. They love a bit of rot, so if you've got an old piece of furniture or something that you've just brought in from outside or you're living in a house that's slightly damp, um, they're the prime conditions. The problem is that, you know, people might not even notice the holes for a while and then they'll think that they have an infestation, but actually those holes could be there for like over 100 years. So you don't need to panic straight away. There's ways to tell if the infestation is still alive. Okay. Now, how do you treat it then? If you if you do find that telltale signs and you maybe kind of detect some activity there, what's the best solution? Okay, the best thing to do is to start with give the piece of furniture or timber a good hoover or vacuum to make sure you've gotten rid of all signs of dust because you want to see if there's any new dust reappearing to see if there's activity inside the timber. So wh- wh- <laughs> what is the best way then to kind of permanently get rid of them? <laughs> well, there's a couple of different ways. If it's small enough, the easiest thing to do is to pop it in the freezer. So I've had I've had jobs where I've had a chest freezer cleared out and I've been able to put the chair in the chest freezer for two weeks. Freezing them to death? Yeah, that sounds so cruel. Um, no, no, but, uh, no, no. It, it I'm all for that. Sleep. They don't wake up again. Um, but yeah, so extremes of temperature. So obviously extreme heat is not practical. You'll destroy the piece of furniture. Mm. And it'll, if you've any like protein joints with animal glues, that they'll be destroyed too. So freeze them to death is what I'm yes, hearing. Okay, yes, right, good. Now, if one option, which so is if, like if your piece easy. is too big, like it's a big bed or a wardrobe or yeah, something, exactly, what, you can't what, do that. what else can you do? So you can get there's a number of different um, treatments you can use that you can either paint on or you can syringe into the individual holes. And whereas, like in the past, it's been incredibly toxic. And the smell would have been terrible. They do they do lots of water-based ones now. Okay. And if you talk to your local hardware shop, they'll be able to give you the best advice. And there's some great brands online as oh, well. Good. But okay. that's a fairly easy, you know, route to go. You just paint it on and if the timber, the timber will absorb it. And basically that'll stop reinfestation and it'll kill what's in there. As they come out, they'll eat the poison and they'll die. Now, Nessa, you worked on a project where you treated lots and lots of woodworm. Talk to me about that. Oh, yeah, I was really lucky and I got to work on a really ornate 17th century throne chair for the end of my master's degree, wow. which was um, absolutely destroyed with woodworm and the, the timber was in danger of becoming structurally unsound and just falling apart. So, yes, there was quite a few holes to be filled and the best and the only way I could think to do it was with a, a tiny syringe and insert, you know, 
the hole was treated. How many holes do you think there were? Oh my gosh, it was definitely well over a thousand holes wow. for sure. How long uh, did that take you? Your whole master's oh, year? No, think. no, it didn't because we didn't get, we didn't have that long to work on it. So um, I think because I was doing so much as as regilding and things like that, but it must have taken about three weeks of just purely finding holes and then filling gosh. them. And this is a piece of advice that you, I, you could take from this project is that after every hole was filled and it had dried out, I filled it with a bit of um, hard wax which is something you could do yourselves at home to make sure that there wouldn't ah. be a reinfestation. You'd see it straight away. So you know that those holes Good are blocked. Idea. So if you ever see them reappear, you know you're in trouble again. You can see it. So, uh, Nessa, where can people go now to have a look at your website? So we are www.samaugustnessa.com and if anybody ever has any like questions they want to ask us about Timber because we're such furniture nerds, just feel free to give us... Um, a bell on uh, hello at sammogsnessa.com we're always happy to talk to you or help you with anything furniture related thanks again Nessa for joining us on the home show thank you so much Sinead Now, you're very welcome back to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan, here on News Talk. And this is the segment of the show where I get to welcome back Roisin Murphy. Uh, hi, Roisin. How are you? I'm doing well, very well. And you, Sinead? Good. Not too bad at all. Have you had a good week? And ha- is your kitchen finished? Oh, gosh, no. And I'm having a major uh, redesign stuff going on in it. I'm kind well, of... What were the chances? Oh, if Peter <laughs> Finn was here sitting in the studio who go... Welcome to my well, world. There's a reason why it's a self-built. Building on my own. I, it, I am actually thoroughly enjoying the experience though I have to say but the kids were playing basketball in what I am now calling the shed and I I put these bricks I'll put it up on my Instagram later on protruding out of the wall and I can't put any I love it so much I don't want to put the kitchen in I know this sounds really mad but I, I love this sculptor called Judd he was one of the biggest influences in my work and I'm going it's a mini Judd I'm not putting a kitchen in so I'm going to keep the kitchen in the pantry and um, with the doors so the, yeah I don't ask and then I had a full redesign because of a few bricks no not just that also that my son was around with his girlfriend he was able to go into the shed and I was able to go down make a cup of tea and not interrupt them It and the, one of the things they asked for they, I said what do you really want in this kitchen <laughs> to go into the shed with my girlfriend no, they said doors mum <laughs> doors because there's no doors Fancy I keep saying it but the, also the idea that you can this, do this broken space so I'm a very much an open plan lady yeah. the children love this this sealed off space yeah. that means isn't that, they that can the have, problem yeah. though with all of the people who got in the fabulous huge glass box extensions everything through flow open plan no doors and then their kids grew up and they said where are we going to go yeah and they can't afford to move out so they're with you so yeah. it's really nice to be able to shut a door make a cup of tea and leave them to it as they have fascinating conversations all, all by themselves. Right. Okay. Now, Roisin, with the week that is in it, we have been very excited to see our athletes, our Olympians, heading off to Tokyo. Uh, but while they're going for gold, we thought we'd take a look at what they're going to be sleeping on while they're there. Tell me. Cardboard, Sinead. Boxes made into beds. I, I, there was a, a, a kind of a news story out that the accommodation for the athletes with COVID and all the stuff blah, 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 that's going on and there's a tradition that uh, athletes, strong, healthy, young people um, get together a lot when they go away on the Olympics and they had created beds that it was impossible to get jiggy jiggy with. Yeah, that's not true though. It's not about the jiggy jiggy. 
you know, it isn't. I mean, and anyway, I defy I defy anybody to stop young people getting jiggy jiggy, even in time of COVID. You know what I mean? No They're offense. all becoming Olympian <laughs> athletes to get out of the country. But it isn't. They are designed. They take 400 pounds, I'm advised. But they are designed and made by, uh, now I'm, I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, Shiguru Bayan or Bon. Excuse me and apologies to everybody if I've, if I've mispronounced this. But he is a world famous architect who has been designing structures in paper for 30 years since he first came out of the Cooper Union in New York. And I have had a particular fascination with him because I once designed an exhibition stand out of turf. So I loved this guy. I thought this guy is, but he took it a little bit further because he has managed to make he started working in relief projects, first of all, so that paper is used for temporary structures for the homeless. OK, so he says he has this wonderful line where he says power and money is invisible. So that's why we employ architects and interior designers, because they make manifest our excesses. Now, the make manifest is my words, but he, we basically that's what we do. Like people show off. And even in the glass box that you were talking about earlier on, like there is a kind of a statement piece in our love of the big glass box mm. that came along, you know, we kind of the death of the cottage and the birth of the bungalow. Ireland is very much in that landscape at the moment with the one off housing. So this guy now he can afford to be gregarious and generous because he also went to the Cooper Union in New York. Let me tell you, that is no small price college. OK, right. right. So, <laughs> so he probably made a few. Bobs no, his parents probably made a few bob generous, but he it. makes these extraordinary buildings completely out of paper. And out of cardboard. And he's not alone. There's a Californian architect, uh, Frank Geary, who also yes, made yes. a thing called the, tw- the uh, it's, a, it's a curvy chair, basically. But he made it when a group of NASA um, space scientists and artists were getting together and they asked him to design some furniture for this, uh, for the building they were in. And he came up with this very distinctive corrugated card chair. So they, you know, and there's always been a tradition of using paper in the in the um, Eastern architecture with rice paper lamps and things like that. So this is not new, but, but it ha- is great. I, I suppose. And look, I'm sure that if there are people sleeping on it and sitting in it and living in it, it, it <laughs> must be very strong. But but like it's you cardboard. Listened. <laughs> I haven't listened to a word I've said. I'm thinking She's cardboard. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's just an absolute like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just going to get to my point. It's cardboard roasting. But you see, the thing is, with car- in, in the age of environment, right, there is no such thing. Like even plastic has been taken and recycled. We have run out of the earth's natural resources, apparently, or about to. So the reuse of materials is really, really important. So paper is also, let's, let's be honest about papers, wood. It's nothing else except wood. Yeah. So you add it to glue. And you can actually do your make your own furniture, okay. the papier mache thing. And there's something um, <laughs> I still can't get over. You said it's cardboard, but what is what is a brick? Only dirt. <laughs> Think about it. What is what is plastic? Only a bit of. I am suitably chastised. <laughs> I am just. I, Good. I, do you know what? I actually get the papier mache <laughs> reference because we all remember from our school days and the Blue Peter oh, days. I haven't where left you push together. And and my <laughs> you're still doing I'm your still your doing kitchen's it. going to be. I can't help papier mache yet. Yeah. Um, so I get that. Okay, yeah. that's a good analogy mm. for me because I get that kind of uh, gluing all the paper together and it yeah. goes much harder than the sum of the components. Yeah, but also it is that thing like glass is sand, right? And nothing really is that complex. In our heads, it becomes it's that thing of power and money. 
Okay, so there's something very powerful about taking, say this, he's a world famous architect. He design, he has designed pavilions that are made out of cardboard tubing where he made a waterproof membrane that was made from paper again that covered the dome. It's the equivalent of the size of the London dome. And it was a temporary structure, right? Now listen, li- think about this. Think about the commitment and the insanity of, of, of brilliance in this. I'm thinking about one of those things, yeah. that's for but sure. But he also made it as part of the contract that the contractors had to remove the concrete, right? Because concrete is really difficult to recycle and they couldn't do it. So what they made was large boxes full of sand that this huge pavilion sat in. So it, there, it is about that commitment to make extraordinary ordinary. So it's not like you, you're not building. He's built incredible uh, houses out of the cardboard. It's not just cardboard uh, beds, but also just back to the Tokyo Olympics. It has to be said, I want one of the duvet covers. Forget all about the cardboard. I don't necessarily need a cardboard bed either. I can make one of my own, thanks very much. But I do. The duvet covers are brilliant. They're kind of a wash of blue at the bottom and then printed on the bottom is Tokyo 2021. Very tasty. Very tasty. That will be, yeah, that'll be special. So so they can come home with that. But so... so you're okay. Our at- I'm worried about our athletes. Yeah. I, I am, seriously. These are people who train for years and years and years. They're very, very special. We want to mine them. Yeah, we do. And we don't think you're okay with them sleeping on a cardboard bed. Well, a cardboard is just wood. So I, 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 would, I would, the only thing I really have a big concern about in beds is the evolution of what we call the box spring and its disappearance in ordinary mm. bedding. My problem is we get our kids to sleep. I, there's a little bit of give in cardboard. It's soft. But if you talk, think about your average hostel bed with the wooden planks on the base of it, they're very bad for your back. There's no spring. There's no relief. There's no giving. So we're, we're improvising all the time with the mattress. Okay. So I'd be very interested to know what mattress they're using. Right. Okay. That won't be cardboard. Okay. Yeah. Listen, um, best of luck to everybody over in Tokyo at the moment. Um, I know that a lot of the uh, kind of events will be on kind of in the middle of the night and all that. But I know there are lots and lots of people who are very excited uh, about all and of that. And a shout out to the skateboarding community who we have featured as object of design. They, skateboarding is making its debut as an Olympic sport in Tokyo. Oh, fantastic. All right. Uh, I am, of course, speaking with Roisin Murphy here on the Home Show on News Talk about all things cardboard. Uh, but we're going to move on now back into, well, I'm going to say we're moving back into the kitchen. Mm. But you might disagree with me uh, because we are talking all things bowls and basins. Yes. Now, you asked me recently, <laughs> do I have a basin in my kitchen sink? Yeah. And I've said, no, of course I don't because mm. I have a sink. Yes. But lots of people, and it was kind yes. of traditional to have a plastic basin in your sink where you did all the washing up. I have gone to thousands of kitchens and I've gone to some of the most expensive kitchens in the country. And there's a basin in the sink in most of them. Okay, so why? you were, you were one, because nobody trusts the modern sink plugs that, <laughs> you know, where they, the, the <laughs> suction that goes down and people are concerned about blocking their U-bends. Very oh, Irish. Right. Yes. So the more detritus... Well, there's nothing worse than a blocked U-bend. No. That is true. That <laughs> so is there's more right. detritus in your sink. It builds up and then you have to, you know, with those sink plugs, it's it's the, the kind of etiquette of a basin keeps dirt from getting into the sinkhole. Okay. So it controls dirt and waste. But I also think a lot of people use it so that, say, if you don't have a double sink, so you can take the, as is the trend at the moment, is not to have double sinks. So you put your sink in, you have your bowls in it from breakfast, you can pull it out if you need to use the sink. So it doubles up the storage or multi, you know, it, mm. it, it gives it multifactorial use. Um, 
and you can use it to soak stuff and then still use your sink. So it's a lot about that. But for me, the biggest thing was there was this meme on the Internet. Not that we care about memes. Um, this is young people's talk. So anybody over the age of 20, you don't have any interest in this item, which was basically asking what house, ha- what's the bowl for the vomit? There's a bowl in every single house. I don't care who you are. And you have the sick bowl. And that, so I've been, I was absolutely absorbed by this because I realised I had a sick bowl. Like everybody has a sick bowl and everybody has a popcorn bowl, quite apart from our mixing paraphernalia and everything like that. I'm actually now worried because I don't You don't. a sick bowl. <laughs> now that said. Has nobody vomited in your house? Yes, but they do it politely in the, ba- in the bathroom. They in get the to the bathroom. Have you ever had the vomiting bug? I haven't. Do I need a vomiting bowl? Is that Have what you're you had the, me now? You've never had the vomiting bug. In the house where, no. where there's a pain in the tummy and then you've projectile oh, vomiting. Oh, not since I had very small children. Okay, but, but when you had very, They're not going to wait on me to say, had, excuse me, I have to run down to the kitchen to go to the third drawer on the left where the vomiting where bowl is out Yeah, you do have a vomiting bowl though. <laughs> where is the projectile vomiting bowl in? Do you have one? No. Did you no, have one when the kids were small? Now. I can't, no, I don't, I think it was just, no. I, yeah, I, I always I had remember. one. I, I blacked out that whole time. Okay, actually, I so. I always had one, and I have a thing about plastic. I'm not a bit, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of plastic, as probably anybody who listens to the show knows. So I had um, a stainless steel one. Like I had a series of stainless steel bowls that I bought very early on that collapse into themselves, ranging from dips all the way down to the vomit bowl. So they were my. So I had. Who knew, folks? Do you have a vomit bowl? I'm. I'm curious now. Uh, let me know. Five three one zero six. I think. Send me in a picture if you have it. Uh, now, uh, the other uses of bowls and the far nicer use of bowls are baking um, yes. and mixing and mm. all of that. And I think we all have those for whisking eggs or Precisely. you know pastry yeah. or whatever. Um, but also, aside from that, um, art and bowls. Um, because it is probably maybe the oldest form of yeah, art is, is, the, old, is yeah. the bowl. I love the mixing bowl. I actually, I suppose my big passion would be a utilitarian bowl, not necessarily the art bowl or the chalices. So I'd say, we, but our, in Ireland, we obviously have particular affection for them because the Sam Maguire is mm. a bowl, mm. essentially an ornate. We really invest in it and, you know, it's it's we all drink from it together. And I think that there is history of the 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 turtle grog bowls and all sorts of things in Indonesia but we have all of these uh, drinking bowls and drinking vessels are part of our culture as as people mm. but the mixing bowl for me is a bowl that never gets put away like the, the I love women's things okay now I, I'm sorry for being sound sexist but I love the mason and coal traditional mixing bowl I think it's so beautiful is that the one that that it's kind of brown it's brown and white yes. white on the inside yeah. and it looks nearly like an Aaron jumper that, that yes, kind of it's so knit. classic every Af- single home must have one of love those. them and I think they're it's like they're so beautiful and they're so classic I particularly like um, a Stephen Pierce. now He's a little bit gone out of vogue. Sorry, Stephen, but he's still, I always feel comfort when I go into an Irish house and see Stephen Pierce bowls and mugs. I mm. think they're they're the same as the Cornish wear for the English in terms mm. of bowls. They have the blue and white striped one. And I, I think our bowl really is a Stephen Pierce bowl um, where he has, you know, that it's a utilitarian, it's an exploitation of the ordinariness yeah. and showing clay for what it is. I bought a couple of bowls um, on my last vacation down Kilkenny, uh, which were Nicholas Moss. Nicholas Moss, another one. And they're Fat, just beautiful. Beautiful. And beautiful. They're instantly recognisable. Now, they are a bit pricey, folks, but they're yeah. worth the investment. But also, if you go down to Nicholas Moss, you can go in the back yeah. and they have a kind of a seconds. Yeah. Uh, Don't get a seconds bowl ever. 
ever, oh, ever, never I, get seconds I, in pottery. Oh, Sorry. Dear. This Why? is a really, because I've done, Rob Earth is, uh, he's a potter from Connemara, who of course is offline, because why would they? Because the potters are all eccentric. Uh, I bought a second, tiny pick, pinprick in the glaze. And if the, you know, I like to actually mix, uh, I actually like to cook in a really, like a Nicholas Moss or a Rob Dirt or mm. an Aaron Street East Bowl. I'm very pretentious, okay? It's the one area of complete power and money as we were talking about earlier. I put it into that sort of stuff. And the pin prick, when you're washing it, then it takes a little bit of water, then it takes a little bit of dirt and then a crack will appear. Okay, so pin seconds in pottery, I, I would actually say to you, don't go near them. You're better off yeah. spending them. And I like okay. the seconds in a bargain and everything else. Unless it's a summer sale, do not go near seconds in pottery. Okay. And if you do have a bowl that has a pin prick in it, only use it for fruit. Do not wash it. Mm. Wipe it out. Don't mm. clean it. You will get some really good value, but absolutely no mixing, no water stuff okay. into it. Uh, you know but what they're I mean. lovely even as decorative pieces. Just, oh, they're lovely. You know. Oh, bowl is... And then there's... Uh, you can also buy sort of like uh, a nice copper bowl. They're not that... You know, you can get mm. a nice copper bowl online or stackable stainless steel bowls online. But Aaron Street East also, they do... Yeah, they're to commission. They have a big bowl. But I won't right. tell you the price of it because okay. you'll, you'll turn me off. You'll, you'll have a button that goes mute her. <laughs> There'll be nothing left over to buy the Yeah, but I do have to say around. the bowl is a, a show-off bowl. And on that, the stainless steel bowl, I urge you all to throw out your plastic basins and put in a nice stainless steel bowl yeah. if it is going to be used for soaking, sinking okay. and other things. I won't be doing that. Right. Now, uh, as ever, you have brought us something special to the show this week, a building. Okay. I went a bit off brief this week not unlike you says she and I thought there's lots of people going around the country and have you ever heard of the dark woods the dark I haven't okay because well, I was thinking it would be interesting and I know you love growing things you're you love uh, well the garden. I do this year and yeah. I've, I've yeah. really gotten yeah. into it okay. okay so this is a pl- what I thought was if everybody who's wandering around the countryside there's you know and you can't bring your kids abroad or whatever it is it's it just a small kind of adventure you could have in Ireland which is to find the locations of say the Game of Thrones or Harry Potter okay so there's two wonderful ones one is the maze from Trubiz I can't pronounce it but that's in Rusborough House okay Okay. it's a fantastic maze (laughs) to bring your kids to but the other one is this thing called the Dark Woods and it's in it's in Brega uh, uh, Brega Wood up in Northern Ireland and it also is home to it was the avenue that was built in the 18th century for Grace Hill House okay and it forms a very gloomy magic amazing entrance if you see it online it, they built a hun- they planted 150 beech trees okay in the avenue up to mm. this house because apparently the house was considered so ugly they were horrified this <laughs> fellow came back and built a Georgian <laughs> mansion it's not ugly to you or me but in its day it would have been the bungalow bliss and they decided they would build they would plant a lot of trees but it forms part of the entrance or part one of the episodes episode two I think in season one in Game of Thrones oh fabulous and then okay. there's a couple there's Dunducci Castle and then there's another one that people recommend as well to go if you have your kids in the car and you're trying to recreate that sense of adventure you would if you were going abroad maybe Christchurch Crypt apparently is very good and the Forest of Gugan Barra so I just thought I'm throwing it out there to the people and saying Get, there are wonderful things outdoors and that are alternative kind of venues yeah, that you can yeah, bring your yeah. kids to that will make them think they're part of of a Harry Potter experience or a part of a wonderful, Game of Thrones experience. Wonderful. And you add in the little costumes and a little story before yes. you go and all the magic is there. Great ideas there from Roisin Murphy as always and lots of inspo. Roisin, where can people find you online? Roisin Murphy Architect.
on and Instagram. That's on Instagram and it's well worth a follow, folks. Uh, and that is all we have time for this week. And if you'd like to get involved in the show, if you, there's a topic you'd like us to cover, somebody you'd like to, who's a designer that you'd like us to interview, uh, do get in touch with us, 53106 for 30 cent. Or you can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. Thanks to the production team today, Gareth Mulhall, JJ Clark and Stephen McLoon, who was on sound. Have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Thank you.